Hello, hello, listeners. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. I'm sure to make this a very interesting evening. At least that's the goal. Uh, this is One Nothing Podcast. Uh, if you're mentally stable and generally healthy-minded, um, this might be a waste of your time. Uh, but for the rest of you listening, please note... This podcast does discuss some, like, depressing, triggering subjects like fatalities, attacks from humans and animals, so listen to, listener discretion is absolutely advised. Please don't let your kids sit in for this. Um, for the rest of you, settle in with some snacks and let's get into it. So, episode one. It's been a while in the making, but I'm very glad to be finally releasing the first of what I hope to be many, many episodes. My name is Amanda, and I'll be your tour guide through some pretty gnarly topics in this show. I only recently got into podcasts uh, lately, and I'll admit that I had a pretty warped view uh, before I became like a regular listener. Um, I didn't think that I could be captivated by the sound of just somebody talking. Uh, I actually was like, thought that that'd be pretty boring. Um, and then I discovered the world of true crime podcasts and animal attack podcasts. And before I knew it, I was like immersed in this world of just fascination. And I found myself like finding reasons to just drive around so I could listen to another podcast episode. So I fell pretty deeply into an obsession with a couple of them. Um, before long, I'd finished multiple series that I like found myself wanting more. And there was cases that I was interested in. Uh, that, you know, I was hoping they'd touch on. So instead of, like, waiting around hoping that they'd release an episode um, about a case that I wanted to hear about, I figured, like, why don't I just dip my metaphorical toe into hosting a podcast of my own? Metaphorical toe. Is it metaphorical if I actually have a toe? Should I have said metaphorically dip a toe? Oh, I'm doing great already, as you can see. But anyway, if you couldn't tell by now, this is going to be far from your typical podcast. I'm very much an amateur. I'm not an expert living in remote areas of the world. I'm not a class A detective who solves murders in my sleep. Um, I'm just a vet tech with a very dark interest in the macabre. Uh, and I hope I find my niche and my people here through some stories that I want to share with you. Um, be aware that like I've not invested a lot of money into this yet because I don't know if it's going to be successful. If it is, I'll definitely invest into some higher tech equipment. Uh, you won't hear my chair squeaking in the background. I have dogs and cats, so you might hear them pop in at some point. But uh, I will invest in uh, better quality equipment if this ends up being something that I do uh, a few times or you know consistently. Now, with that being said, together we will delve into the details of some different victims in this. Uh, some will meet their fate in an encounter with an animal. Some will just cross the paths of the wrong person. It's psychopaths, serial killers. Uh, and some were just at the wrong place at the wrong time, a freak accident. So I've taken my amateur internet sleuthing superpowers to a new extreme. I do want to mention all the information that I gather in this episode and future episodes will be sourced responsibly, and I will include sources at the end of the episode. Uh, I don't claim to be an expert. I 
very, very open about not being that. Uh, I do wholeheartedly promise that the information that I find will be as accurate as possible. I check my sources. I check multiple avenues uh, to look for consistency for information. But if I do happen to make a mistake, please do mention it to me in like a private message on Instagram um, so I can address it and correct it because I do want this podcast to be a source of um, reliable and accurate information, uh, especially because we are talking about potentially ways to stay safe and not be a victim. So um, anyways, it is my utmost priority to provide information that is correct and reliable and also respectful to the victims and their families. So I hope that I achieve that. Um, one last time, I want to reiterate, this is an entirely new world for me. I may suck at it. I may do good at it. Either way, I am open and receptive to feedback. Um, like I said, in a perfect world, if I become successful enough with this, I'd love to upgrade my tech, hold interviews with survivors. Um, I'd like to have little episodes called One Somethings where I can maybe get, you know, survivors um, discussed, uh, possibly even get co-hosts once in a while so you don't have to listen to my super endearing screeching all the time. But with that being said, I think we are ready to get into our first story. So are you? I am. I'm ready. I studied up for you guys. All right. (laughs) Anyways, uh, the first episode that I've selected is a tale that very few have heard of. Um, It features the very animal in our little profile photo on our podcast, our Instagrams. It's an animal so large, curious, and scary. Few animals strike fear into our hearts more than the brown bear, also known as the grizzly bear. So this, my friends, is the story of Barbara Lynn Collister. Take my little break here for a second. Sorry. All right. Got my little bake in my Pepsi. Ingredients for success. All right. So Barbara Lynn was born February 5th of 1953 in the small quaint town of Dinsmore, Saskatchewan, which is in Canada. Uh, She was born to James and Geraldine McKinley. She was raised in a loving family. Throughout her youth, moved between Saskatchewan, Manitoba. She finally settled in Winnipeg and attended John Taylor Collegiate High School. She went on to graduate from the University of Manitoba in 1975 with a degree in commerce, and she grew into a very thoughtful and intelligent young woman, and she became became heavily invested in the field of healthcare institutions. Uh, After graduation, Barbara went on to eventually join the team that built the original Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary, which is just so cool. Uh, her hard work and persistence was rewarded as she was later chosen to specialize in management of public institutions. So the homegirl was just climbing up the ladder. Um, she moved again by that time and had settled in Alberta, near Calgary for the time being. Uh, in August of 1976, she meets the man who a year later would become her husband. So this man that she met, this wonderful man, His name was Douglas Callister. Douglas was a professional biologist, and uh, he and Barbara shared many passions, including travel, the outdoors, wildlife, local fauna, and much more. 
and they shared many intimate moments birdwatching, and their favorite place to look for owls, to birdwatch for owls and other birds, was at this 114-acre property called Owl Ridge, and it was just a short distance, just a few kilometers um, or miles from Water Valley. You guys can do the, the translation from kilometers to miles, I'd have to do that here. So they visited this property often. They would discuss frequently like how much they just loved being there. Um, the wildlife was just, you know, really plentiful. They were always there. You know, Barbara especially loved the photos. She was always up there taking photos of the owls and the birds. But um, in August of 1977, after a year of laughing and enjoying their lives together, Barbara and Douglas exchanged their vows and married before departing for a beautiful honeymoon in Europe. So jealous. So once they come back, the newlyweds focused on building their lives in this Calgary neighborhood called Lakeview, and they went on to have two children, Ethan, who was born in 1983, and Thomas, who was born in 1988. So Barbara was just, she was truly an angel, like on another level. She was selfless, kind. Um, there's not, I couldn't find like a negative word said about Barbara. She was just a wonderful mother, a wonderful sister. She had such an impact on her family members and anyone who met her. Um, a, a few, you know, evidence pieces that I found about her what speaks volumes about her person is that uh, her sister received news that she was terminally ill and Barbara stayed by her side and nursed her through her last year of life. Just so sweet. And then her brother, um, he had endured a difficult knee surgery at one point. She was also at her brother's side offering just any help that she could. Uh, so she was just all around a really selfless individual. Uh, she eventually began focusing more times into her hobbies, like art, hiking. Um, she was really proud to be a member of this MNM Outdoor Club, uh, which I did look up the club, and it looks to be like a, uh, a club for senior members to be active outside and enjoy nature and be in the community. They get together and kind of explore nature, which there's a lot of nature in Alberta to explore, so... So it seemed like something that, you know, Barbara and myself really um, would just totally love. So in 1987, uh, one of Barbara and Douglas's biggest dreams comes true. This 114-acre Owl Ridge property that they always went to, it goes up for sale. So the couple doesn't hesitate a second. And before long, they're the rightful owners of this gorgeous expanse of wild backcountry. And it features, like, all these winding trails and just thick brush and so many different species of animals and birds. And, and they loved this. I mean, they were just thrilled over the moon about calling this property their home. Um, they had intents on keeping it just as wild and natural as they could. Uh, actually, one of their biggest moments of pride for Barbara and Douglas were um, in 2018, they were able to place a conservation easement on the property, which I did some Googling for you. So I'll summarize this. Uh, this comes directly from Alberta State website. Um, conservation easements are funded through the Alberta Land Trust Grant Program and are designed to conserve ecologically important areas and to prevent habitat fragmentation, maintain biodiversity, and preserve native landscapes. So basically, in layman's terms, it's a legal agreement where landowners kind of voluntarily um, restrict use of their land to protect it and keep it natural and protect its cultural heritage. So it's very obvious by now that Barb and Doug really, really love their home and their land. Uh, and they just took so many efforts to preserve its natural state. So um, and I know we didn't really touch, much, touch on this much yet. 
But beside owls and birds, you know, Alberta is home to a super wide variety of animals, uh, and they include moose, deer, link, link, <laughs> lynx, wolves, bison, wolverines sometimes, um, black bears, and then of course the purpose for today's episode, uh, Alberta's home to between 800 to 1,000 grizzly bears. That's according to the most recent statistic that I could find. Um, God knows what that number is now at the release of the podcast. So, For 30 plus years that the couple share this water valley home, uh, they never have any significant or negative encounter with any of the local wildlife. So that's usually, you know, how it goes, sadly. It's you never have a problem until you do, so. Oh, my gosh, guys. These these topics really interest me, but I, I just do feel really bad for the family. So I'm trying to, I don't want to be too lighthearted, of course. You know, I know this is, I'm going to try to keep it somewhat upbeat for the sake of, I don't want to depress everybody um, too much. But if there's any family members listening, I'm really trying to do it justice and make sure I portray just how lovely Barbara and Douglas are. So, all right. So we're going to fast forward a couple years to May 25th, 2021. It's a gorgeous, calm Tuesday. Barbara, who is now 68 years old, uh, has just finished another busy and family-filled day. Um, From what I had read, she had just finished quite recently, like, a blanket that she had given to a family member that she made herself. So just super sweet, you know, family keepsake. So... So she's all done with her day. She decides she wants to go on this little evening stroll through one of these many trails that sprawl through her acreage. So something that she had done countless times in the past uh, without incident, but um, this day would be different. At 7 p.m. that Tuesday evening, sometime after Barbara had departed for her walk through the trails, Alberta Fish and Wildlife personnel are called to the private property due to reports of a fatality. So officials arrived quickly on scene and were met with a disturbing and unfortunate sight. Barbara's body lay motionless and battered, mostly covered by mud and leaves. It didn't take long for paramedics to declare her deceased on scene. They began trying to piece together what had happened, but without any witnesses, it made it quite difficult. But what was obvious to them, however, was that this fatality was bear-related. Barbara's clothing and skin was torn and gouged in an apparent mauling. And even while they investigated the scene, the Fish and Wildlife employees noticed two separate grizzly bears that were kind of hanging out in the area uh, of where they found her body. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about these bears. So the first bear we'll call Bear One. She was a a younger sow. Sow was female bear. Um, She appeared to be lactating, so producing milk, but I guess they concluded that she was not nursing, so she did not have a cub with her, which kind of rules out the mama and cubs thing, which is one big, big reason for bear attacks is, you know, walking up on a mama and her cubs. The whole mama bear um, is a uh, very accurate um, limerick. So the second bear we'll call bear two was a much more larger, more mature bear. Uh, She was much more aggressive than the first bear and they were both captured and trapped on May 29th and then both, you know, brought in, um, had a full exam done on them. They noticed that the second bear, bear two, the bigger, more mature bear, she had very worn down teeth, which is important for later that we'll get into a little bit. Um, They end up swabbing and performing DNA tests on both bears. Uh, And so they, they get the results back and bear one, which is the younger lactating bear, um, she's free from wrongdoing. She didn't, there's no evidence of anything that she had anything to do um, with the death of Barbara. Um, the second bear, the more aggressive bear, they did return back um, as being the bear that killed and ingested um, part of Barbara Lynn Collister. 
So in the case of a bear causing a human death, there is a lot of division um, that I've kind of seen within biologists and professionals. Um, I've seen a lot of conflicting opinions about, you know, kind of what the protocol is for, uh, we'll call them problem bears, we use that term loosely. So from what I can find, most attacks do kind of happen, um, you know, by surprise. So they're defensive. So you're surprising a mama with cubs or you're walking up on a bear that's, you know, just caught uh, a kill and is eating a kill or protecting, you know, a meal. Um, from what I can find, very few attacks are just kind of provoked out of, like, predation, like the bear just wanting to eat you. They don't really look at humans as, like, a solid food source, from what I could see. Um, but they are opportunists, so they'll take advantage of an easy meal, you know. So so the thing that stumped officials is that Barbara's body wasn't really predated upon much. Like, she, they hadn't to say this, I can't really find better words. They really hadn't eaten her much, um, but that, you know, that would tend to indicate that it was not a predatory attack, um, but rather a defensive attack when she had, you know, startled a bear. Um, but then her remains were found partially covered, which experts say bears will do when they plan to return to the body to eat it. So they'll, you know, eat a bit, cover it so that other bears don't find it, um, and then come back to it. So they really aren't certain about how the attack happened. All we can really do is kind of speculate um, based on, you know, what evidence was available. So. So on that topic, if a bear is acting naturally, like defending her cub or guarding a meal, or if you, you know, come around the corner quietly and you spook a bear and she jumps you, they don't always euthanize those bears because those are kind of, those bears are typically acting how a bear should act. It's it's usually in those circumstances it's the human's fault, you know. Um, there's things that we can be doing while we're in bear territory to let the bear know we're there. And if we're not doing those things and we're kind of creeping around quietly in a bear's perspective, especially one with cubs or with a kill, they're kind of going to view that negatively. So I do, I do want to interject and say that, you know, I'm not placing blame on Barbara at all. I don't know the circumstances of her walk, but it's important to know that these tacks are, these, the re, they can be typically preventable. Um, if she had had bear spray and was making a lot of noise when she was walking, it's hard to say if she would have met the same end. But, you know, we don't know. We just, there's, nobody knows. If, if there's bear experts out there that want to weigh in, you know, write the Instagram and I'll air your advice on the next episode. But just for me, you know, from what I can find, there's, there's not a whole lot of evidence indicating how that happened and what she was doing. Um, but it doesn't appear like she had bear spray. Uh, so who knows if that would have saved her, you know, how quickly it would have happened. So, so to go back to the topic of euthanizing problem bears, on the other end of the spectrum, if a bear is stalking and attacking someone and is like eating them or, you know, you're in your camping tent sleeping and they pull you out and they have no motive other than to eat you, they do usually kill those bears because those are more of like a legal liability. And there's a, more of a risk to humans um, because those are the ones that are going to be brave enough to kind of go out where humans are um, and start, you know, thinking of humans like food. So... So Alberta Fish and Wildlife, they have these two bears. Um, they decide to release bear one. Um, they couldn't find any evidence that she had anything to do with it. They didn't ingest anything. Um, just looks like the poor thing was just caught in the wrong place. So I did look at the According to the Alberta Fish and Wildlife Facebook page, they did plan a relocation and ended up releasing that bear just a few days later. Um, however, they did decide to move forward with euthanizing the older bear that had the worn teeth uh, because the DNA did prove that that was the bear uh, who fatally evolved Barbara. So, 
Um, so wildlife officer Paul Frame did eventually make a public statement um, that the attack was more than likely defensive and not predatory. Um, so an Alberta government spokesperson um, named Paul Matwichik, which I'm sorry if I'm messing that name up. I'm sure I am. Um, he's made a statement that um, I'll quote here. Several factors led to the decision to euthanize the bear. The bear killed a human, and by all accounts, it is an old bear, which could be past prime, and as a result, is unlikely to add very little to the overall population in the area. So I'm going to kind of assume that he's just saying, you know, it was an older bear, um, probably wasn't making many, many successful kills with worn teeth, probably wasn't mating and procreating much since he, she was kind of old. So, like, it's not really affecting the population of the bears there to, to kill that one, I, I guess is what he's saying. So um, a little interjection here that I do want to touch on is that earlier in the month of May, on the 4th, um, just 40 kilometers away in Alberta, also in Alberta, a man named David Lertzman was attacking killed by a grizzly bear and they did take dna evidence um and they it showed that there was not the same bear in both attacks so that the bear um that the, that had killed barbara had nothing to do with the david lurtzman attack from what they could find so um a very unfortunate coincidence sadly but i do want to point that out just in the event that anyone listening wants to dig more into barbara's life because there are going to be multiple search results if you look up alberta bear fatalities in may 2021 so just know that going forward um Barbara's family, heartbroken by her loss, described her as intelligent, accomplished, humble, kind, gentle, principled. Um, she loved to travel. She loved photography. Uh, and then I found, which is really awesome, that even although it was occurring after her death, Barbara does make another achievement um, in her career in 2021 when two of her photos are published in a black and white magazine. Uh, so that's super awesome that even though she wasn't um, here to, to witness that, that she did have some photographs published, which I'm sure was something she would have taken much pride in. So um, her family does shout out to officers and give special thanks to Calgary Unit Southern Region Fish and Wildlife Enforcement Services official Kyle Juno and Alberta, Alberta Bear Response Team member John Clark and John Elias or Elias. I'm sorry, I'm probably slaughtering these names. Um, but they had very prompt responses and were just swift in action. And then they had just a lot of compassion for the McKinley and Collister families. So they wanted to, they wanted to shout them out. I figured I would do that same respect. Um, again, there's very little information on why this happened. Experts suspect that the bear was startled. Um, probably just came around a corner, spooked the bear. The bear reacted defensively and then probably just took advantage of the opportunity um, due to her worn teeth. You know, they potentially were a cause of pain or maybe just the inability for her to hunt normally. Uh, I don't know what prey sources are available at that time of year in Alberta during the summer, but I would imagine that, you know, with 800 to 1,000 bears, it's pretty competitive for resources. Um, and there's probably a lot of other bears trying to eat as well. So they never really released a statement for sure on why. They just pretty much said, you know, all we can do is speculate that that's probably what happened. So this is just absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, to lose a loved one so suddenly and then to be left wondering like what their final moments like I just I really feel for the family and everybody who was involved uh, I hope it was quick and that you know Barbara didn't suffer but I just for her husband and her children uh, I just can't imagine to have somebody like her so selfless um, to be you know taken so swiftly and quickly and without without a chance to you know say goodbye um, I can only imagine what that's like. So I do want to leave my thoughts with the family. 
Um, today, Alberta is still home to a growing number of grizzly bears, and although attacks are rare, there are some simple steps that we could take to avoid creating negative interactions with bears while we're in their kind of environment, um, which leads me to the next segment. So um, that was the story. Uh, we're going to do a little part that I'm going to affectionately name Creature Features. So... We've talked a little while about Barbara and her life and her family and all of her accomplishments. And her life was really lovely. And she was just so kind from what I can tell. I would have, I think I would have got along with her really well had I been able to meet her. Um, But I probably have a lot of you angry at grizzly bears right now. And I just want to take a moment to address that. Um, The purpose of this podcast is definitely not to hate on the animals involved. Uh, I really, really, really love all animals. Like, there's not a single one that I don't get mushy over. Um, And I freak out like a child anytime I have an interaction with, like, literally any animal. Um, I live in Florida, so I have a lot of interactions with animals. And it's, oof, I just, I love them all. Um, I do, I think we have like a healthy, we should have a healthy respect for them. Like, I'm not afraid of bears. I'll prepare for them if I'm in their homes. But overall, like, I don't think bears are out to get us. Uh, I just think we should have a healthy respect for them and be responsible and be aware, um, bear aware <laughs> when we're in their environments. Um, but we shouldn't be demonizing them. Uh, we shouldn't be holding coals. And like I saw a lot on the Facebook pages when I was looking up the Alberta Fish and Wildlife Facebook pages. They were releasing updates about, you know, catching grizzly bears. Um, and it was just like 99% of the comments. And there was a lot. I went through all of them. But 99% of the comments are just like, yes, let's kill bears, bring back the call, you know, bears that we don't need bears. And it's just, it couldn't be farther from the truth. Like bears are such an important member of the ecosystem. Um, And we'll, you know, touch more about that, you know, after I delve more. I don't want to, again, only accurate information I want to you know, bring out in this podcast. So I'll delve more into what kind of um, role they have in their ecosystems. But I know that they they play a pretty big part. Um, they're one of the few like land apex predators in their region, and we're losing them pretty quickly. Um, you know, they, they are kind of like a conservation success story, which I'll bring out in a little bit, um, some more information about that, but, but they are, their numbers are much more abysmal than they were. So, uh, we shouldn't, you know, be demonizing them or holding coals or anything like that. Um, so I've done some more digging, um, because after all, it's pretty much all I'm good at these days. And I found some facts and features about our creature. So grizzly bears, also known as brown bears, also known in Latin as Ursus Arctos Horribilis, which is not a name that is helping their reputation, if I might add. Um, They make up one of the eight different species of bear that inhabit this planet with us. Um, There are about 60,000 grizzly bears that call the United States and Canada home, and they can be found in a large proportion of the northwestern U.S., like Alaska, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, Colorado, parts of Washington, and then even um, a large part of western Canada. So, like I said, they're considered a conservation success story um, before they were declared protected by law. Um, which I couldn't really find a good number on when that happened. I have numbers that range from like the 1800s to 1940s, but sometime in that range, um, they were declared protected. Uh, their numbers were decimated because of hunting, and their habitats were just being destroyed by logging and mining and oil drilling and land development. Um, but they eventually were relisted as threatened, but of least concern by the IUCN. Um, but after strict policies were put in place to preserve and protect them in their habitats, and then they kind of started bouncing back, but they're still not where they were before, you know, we started protecting them in their habitats. Grizzly bears on average 
tend to live to be between 20 to 25, although females tend to live longer. No surprise there, ladies, am I right? Haha. <laughs> that was the sound of me high-fiving myself. I know I'm on a podcast and you can't see that. So. Um, <laughs> females can weigh on average between 300 to 400 pounds or somewhere in that kind of range. Uh, males exceed that. They have a wider range of 400 to 800 pounds. Like, that can't be right. Oh, my God. That's a big bear. Four to 800 pounds. Um, they also stand between six to nine feet tall, give or take, uh, when in, when they're upright on their hind legs. So they can be even taller than that. Um, so they're considered apex predators with no real predators themselves other than humans and other bears. Sorry, it's thirsty. I need, you know, a little sick. I'm doing the show in one go. No pauses, no edits. We're, we're doing this like real amateurs, baby. Shouldn't just have to hold on for my little city sips. But anyway, um, yeah, they live a solitary life uh, other than when a female has cubs um, or a cub with her. Um, they usually are kind of live by themselves, you know, other than that. So they have a large hump on their back, which um, I recently learned in my research is actually a huge muscle that helps them control those huge forearms. They have these giant, powerful forearms, these huge claws, um, and they're just just muscle, which is why, like, they can rip car doors open and fling dumpsters. Like, I've seen videos of them just tossing a dumpster like it's nothing just crazy so their diet is mostly comprised of like um vegetation berries insects and then they do you know get catch kills like large mammals um caribou and elk um more so in bears that that live in like alaska and stuff but fish is a big part of some of those diets of bears that live near water um and most bears do take advantage of carrion which is uh that's dead animals i uh there i saved you google so bears in cold climates hibernate for anywhere between four to seven months of the coldest part of the years um some other species of bear that live more south don't hibernate or just hibernate for much less time than that it's all dependent on climate which i thought was kind of cool um something super interesting during their hibernation they don't pee or poop that whole time Apparently, their body just converts it to proteins or something, which is just wild to me because I can't make it a 60-minute car ride without peeing my pants. Um, And these things just hang out for half a year with a full bladder and poop shoot, and no. Uh, I'm glad I'm not a bear. I could never. Um, They try to gain as much weight as they can before hibernation, so they literally spend all their time looking for food. Uh, They can gain as much as 400 pounds before retreating to their den to hibernate. Let's just take a moment to 400 pounds. Wow. I mean, I guess bears don't have social media, so what do they care if they gain a little weight? But, like, Kim Kardashian is rolling over in her tanning bed right now. <laughs> oh. Uh, they can run at burst speeds of up to 30 miles per hour for short distances. So, like, RIP if you're being chased by a bear because who's outrunning that? 30 miles an hour? Mm, yeah. Their jaw pressure can be in excess of 1,160 pounds per square inch. Um, which, uh, that's a lot. Um, if the fact that they can outrun you doesn't scare you, the fact that they can crack your skull like a pumpkin, um, probably should. Uh, they actually have the second strongest jaw of any bear, which comes only after the polar bear, which has a stronger jaw pressure from what I could find. Although the science on that's not super clear. I guess it's really hard to get jaw pressures for polar bears, I guess. Um, I don't know what's so hard about it. Like just grab a bear and be like, bite this. Like, I'm sure it's much harder than that. (laughs) 
Uh, their claws can be as long as human fingers, and their teeth, which pack the most punch, are designed to just grab and rip. Um, so they'll really, like, sit on their prey and just start eating them and just, like, sit on them to subdue them so they can't run away and then just start eating them alive. So that is just that's a horrifying way to go. Um, they have territories that can span over 600 square miles. So you're never really not in bear country if you're within 600 miles of any of those states that I listed earlier. Um, and if they're pregnant, they do give birth in their dens during their hibernation. So that's kind of cool. I wonder if they're just like super like drunk while they're nursing their babies, like while they're hibernating because they're like, you know, slow and half asleep. So the baby bears are like, mom, mom. And they're just like passed out for seven months. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not what happens, but it brings like kind of a funny visual, I have to say. Okay. Um... Here's my two, oof, I'm losing my earphone. My two cool for school fact. Oh my god, the audio on this is going to be atrocious. I am so sorry. Like I said, boost me up, I'll get better tech. Just bear with me, my squeaky chair, my Pepsi bottle. I'll do better. Just stick with me. Um, okay, so my two cool for school fact. Um, bears have the ability to delay implantation of an embryo. So that means if a, a female bear isn't healthy enough or she hasn't like gained enough weight um, to sustain herself through hibernation um, or through growing an embryo to term, their body can like store the embryo and just like kind of pause it until she's gained enough weight and then they can just like press play and resume growing her embryo slash baby bear. Um, that's just freaking crazy, um, that they can just, like, basically, like, oh, I'm not fat enough, let me pause, pause my baby, so, like, can you imagine if humans did that, how much, like, the graduation rate for high schoolers would be through the roof, let me just tell you, they probably wouldn't, but, you know, like, I don't know, there's probably an expert out there cursing at me and shaking his fist, like, um, about the way I'm describing this, but, like, listen, all I have is the internet. I can't interpret a lot of the terminology used by bear experts. Um, there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo that I don't understand, but I do Google everything, cross-reference it, and I'm trying to explain it in terms that the average person, like me, can understand. So, like, just write in. I'll correct it, you know, but I just think that's really crazy. Um, lastly, I do want to touch on a few points of how to avoid getting into altercations or situations where you're faced with an angry bear. So here's what to do. Um, before all else, before you invest in martial arts or a machine gun or uh, machine gun Kelly or anything, um, there's one thing above all that that can save you in a bear attack, and that's going to be bear spray. Uh, I looked up a lot of stuff about this. I listened to a few other podcasts with people who are much more well-versed in bear safety, um, and it's it's essentially a souped-up pepper spray, um, but bears hate the stuff. Don't get regular pepper spray. It will not work. Um, bear spray is really easy to use. It has this huge spray. It's a bigger, like, wider margin for error than a firearm. So if you don't, like, hit it, you know, and exactly, like, if you're shooting a gun, you have, like, you have to hit it, you know, in the right spot. Bear spray, you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, and it doesn't involve you getting really close to the bear. So it's just a really great, sorry, that Pepsi's got me all carbonated. Um, it's really just a really great option for preventing a bear attack. So if you live or spend time outdoors in bear country and you don't have bear spray, like, what even are you doing, man? Like, go buy some before I have to do an episode on you because it's really cheap. Well, it's not really cheap. It's like 40 to 50 bucks, but it's worth your life and it'll save more than your ass when the time comes that you have to use it. Um, I heard a little phrase by somebody that I was listening to. I was listening to so many podcasts in preparation for me, like creating my own, um, that I wish I could give credit to them. So if it's you, let me know and I'll give you credit. But somebody said, um, 99% of bears won't hurt you. 
but you have to be prepared for the 1% that do or something to that degree. But I just found that to be a really good mantra. So like you may you be, be fine. You may think that you're okay or that you have all the right skills, but when the time comes to it, just have bear spray, practice using it, replace it when it gets old. It does expire. It's just, it's worth it to have it. It can save your life. So go buy it. Um, some more do's. Do group up. Um, the more people with you, the less the chances for an attack. Bears are curious and interested, but they usually do not want confrontation, usually. Uh, so do make noise. Talk, sing, listen to music. Um, put, it, put it on a speaker so long as you aren't around any other nature lovers because they'll be annoyed and like murder is a different topic for another day, another top podcast. Um, but yeah, you'll be beat up. Um, don't play music around other people, but like yell out, hey bear, like do whatever you have to do to make noise so the bear hears you coming. Um, it won't be like surprise if you come up on it. Don't rely on bear bells. They don't work. They're not loud enough to really trigger anything. Bears don't really get what it is. Um, your footprints don't make enough noise. Like, you need to be, like, walking through the woods being like, hey, bear, hey, or just being really dramatic. I don't care what you want to say. If you want to rehearse the quadratic formula out loud, do you, but just be loud so they hear you. Um, if you're camping, do store your food in bear-proof containers. Um, hang your food. Um, make a line between two, che- two trees and hang the food, like, in the middle so the bear can't get it in the tree. Bears do climb sometimes. I found, like, more so black bears, but grizzlies can. Um, so just prepare for, you know, that bear that does. Um, they have an incredible sense of smell, so try to store your food. Like, I found some varying opinions, but I'm going to say 100 yards from your campsite. Um, I saw some that said 50. I saw some that said 75. Some that said 200, but just... The farther, the better, honestly. Uh, but that way, if the bear does catch whiff of your food, he's going to the food and not to your campsite. Um, they will follow their nose to find it. So, do keep outdoor areas clean. If you live in bear country, um, bear-proof your trash bins. Bring them in at night. Keep fruit trees and gardens like meticulously clean. Scrub your barbecue. Keep outdoor cooking equipment clean. Just prevent any kind of you know enticing environment for bears if you live there. You don't want them to kind of view your house as a spot where they can get food so um and that goes for watch your pets when they're outside in bear country because small dogs they can be kind of prey bears don't like dogs in general but small dogs can kind of be prey um so definitely watch your dogs and pets cats too do speak in a calm, low voice if you encounter a bear. Um, back away slowly. Um, face the bear. Do not run. Do not run from the bear. Um, you will trigger a predatory response and it will chase you. You don't want that. Um, practice your bear spray. Keep it somewhere easily accessible. Don't store it in a backpack or something. Just have it somewhere that you can grab it at a moment's notice if you need it. Bears do not give a crap about your timing what not to do. Do not hike alone, especially during dusk or dawn, if you are not prepared for a bear encounter. Don't, if you're not carrying bear spray, I would not, don't advise. Um, don't go out alone, just especially over dusk or dawn. Um, do not yell if you see a bear. They will perceive that as threatening. They, that can provoke them to charge at you. Um, again, do not run. This will trigger an immediate predatory instinct, and they are much faster and stronger than you. We already discussed all that, and you will not win. See the name of the podcast for more details. Um, <laughs> the majority of grizzly bear charges are bluff charges, meaning like they'll run at you and kind of run off at the end. Um, again, I found some conflicting info, but the consensus seems to be that they'll usually leave after a bluff charge. Um, but sometimes a bluff charge can predict an actual charge. So stand your ground when the bear veers off, back away, have your bear spray ready. Um, try to get out of there the way you came. 
Um, if a grizzly bear makes contact and is attacking you, you've kind of already lost the game, but play dead if it's a grizzly bear. Um, and this applies to grizzlies only. Um, get in the fetal position, um, you know, cover your neck with your hands, try as hard as you can to stay there. If a bear flips you over, kind of try to roll back, um, really protect your soft parts. Um, if it's a defensive attack, meaning that you startled the bear, the bear just wants to neutralize you, it's probably going to beat you up a little. If you just lay there and don't move and don't say anything and stay quiet, it'll probably move on um, and declare you kind of dealt with. Um, if it starts to eat you, that's a different story. Fight back with everything you have because um, if the bear's eating you, it's you're, you're being eaten. Um, that's not a way anybody wants to go out. So punch, kick, throw rocks, try to stab its eye, um, do whatever you can. Uh, but if it gets to that point, you've probably already lost, but just be willing to die trying because that's what you're going to have to do to survive. It does. Sometimes you survive, but your chances are much less if it's a predatory bear and it's eating you and you don't have help. Um, just do anything that you can while you can. Uh, so the National Park Service estimates that an approximate 11% of grizzly attacks result in a fatality, which puts your odds pretty high of surviving. Um, so if you play your cards right, um, you know, without bear spray, that number does drop pretty dramatically. But if you prepare, you know, correctly, um, your odds are pretty good of not getting in a bear attack and then pretty good of surviving one if you, you know, are encountered by a bear. So bear spray companies, I want my advertisement money now, thanks. <laughs> uh, well, guys, that is the conclusion of episode one story on One Nothing Podcast and what a bittersweet time it has been. Um, I sincerely hope that you leave this podcast with a newfound respect for grizzly bears and their strength. I hope I did some justice um, to bear experts out there about just how strong they are and how much respect we really need to give these guys, as well as some insight into the amazing woman that Barbara Collister was. And if any of her family, again, are tuning in and listening, I hope I did your beautiful Barbara justice and hunting down all the details that made her and Douglas's happy life together. Um, may she rest in peace and may her family find solace. And hopefully in my attempt, you know, did diligence to portray her in the selfless and loving light that she was. That she was. Um, lastly, uh, I spent the last little while bringing you down. So now I got to bring you back up with a joke of the day, which I'm going to be doing little jokes at the end of every episode, sometimes, you know, funnier than others. So, um, today's joke is what do you call a bear without ears? Any answers? Yeah. Any answers? A bee. I'll pause so you can laugh hysterically. No, get it. A bear without your a bee. You maybe you have to see it written. Okay, let's move on. Um, the question of the day. So on Instagram, I'll be posting a question every time an episode is released that corresponds to the previous episode. So uh, the next episode, um, uh, you'll be able to comment or message your answers, and then I'll read them. So you'll have to get your dirty little hands on our Instagram. Oh my gosh, these hiccups. I'm so sorry. Um, get on our Instagram page and follow that ish so that you get all the newest info. You do get one hint about the topic of the next episode. Uh, let's just say the victim's death was unfortunately fashionably early. So that's the hint you get about the topic of the next episode. You'll have to wait until the next episode to um, hear more about that. So, um, Lastly, I want to follow up one more time just because I really want to dot my I's and cross my T's. I am not an expert on bears. I'm not an expert on bear survivalism, survivalism in general, or anything in that degree. Uh, the information I collected during this episode was obtained through a variety of sources, which I'm going to list now. Uh, I got most of my information from the following um, websites. Alberta Wind... 
if I could talk, that would be wonderful. AlbertaWilderness.com, Alberta.ca, Wikipedia.com, Alberta Fish and Wildlife Facebook page, Endangered.com, I'm sorry, Endangered.org, correction, Bear.org, Field and Stream Magazine, IUCN website, McInnes and Holloway Funeral Home Obituaries page, Legacy and Land and Trust Society website, and Facebook posts of members of the family whose names I will keep anonymous out of respect to the victim. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear the next one, which will be released Tuesday, March 7th. So keep your eyes on the One Nothing podcast on Instagram, um, and you'll get the chance to ask questions, answer questions, make corrections, um, keep tabs on everything we discuss. I'm really excited to finally launch this, and I really hope it goes well because I do have really, really big ideas. So please help make this dream a reality. Uh, I have dogs and cats at home who would love me to be home and just do podcasts for a living. So uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, um, even if you didn't, I'm open to advice. Uh, Like I said, I'm working with minimal technology, so I apologize if the first episode is filled with a lot of background noise. I'm paying for the pro version of this um, to hopefully eliminate a lot of that. So um, give me time. Like I said, if it goes well, I will invest in better equipment and um, the future episodes will be better. So um, it was great to finally do this.